good morning everyone and uh, welcome to worship this morning at Balhelvi and a very uh, happy new year to you all. I hope that you've uh, brought in the festivities well, uh, as well as we can manage in the present circumstances. And it's lovely to see you out today for worship. We're going to begin our service this morning in the words of hymn uh, 526. This is a day of new beginnings. Let's worship God together. After focusing on the Christmas story for so many weeks in word and song, eh, on the Sunday after Christmas, or in this case the second Sunday after Christmas, I like to do something a wee bit different, which I call the cheese board, eh, a selection of tasty wee stories and morsels that have spoken to me over the last year and that I hope will speak to you too. There's something powerful in a story. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus used parables when he was teaching, because good stories don't just entertain, they make us reflect on our lives. And they might even bring us some insight about ourselves and about God that we need to hear. And the common strand in all of these stories that we're going to hear this morning is that they remind us that faith is not simply about what we think or what we believe, but how we live, our choices our actions and our focus in life. 
So after each reading, we're going to have a wee bit of time to think about what we've just heard. There'll be some music and some space to reflect, and then I'll lead a short prayer that's tied in to the reading that we've just heard, and we'll sing a hymn, and we'll move on to the next one. And we're going to start with this one, which made me smile when I first heard it. It's called Autobiography in Five Short Chapters, and it's by Portia Nelson. Pat Forbes is going to read for us. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Year. Chapter One. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the pavement. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the pavement. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the pavement. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's become a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There is a hole in the pavement. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down another street.
Let's pray. We love Christmas, Lord. It's a familiar street to walk down every year with its bright lights, festive sounds and lovely smells. With that familiarity comes the familiar experience of falling in to those familiar holes in the pavement, the particular ones that we as individuals are prone to find not just at this time of year, but at any time of the year. Overindulgence, overwork, selfishness, being short-tempered with people we're supposed to love, cradling regrets, curating worries. Lord, each of us knows our own weakness. We've lived with ourselves all our lives and we know where our feet will take us if we let them. Sometimes, like the Apostle, we find ourselves doing the very things we don't want to do, feeling powerless to stop ourselves falling down into those same old holes. And yet we are not without power. For the power we work with and who works within us is not our own. Your word tells us that your power is made perfect in our weakness. So help us to own our weakness and our need, Lord. Help us own them so we might move beyond them. Learning to avoid the pitfalls and the stumbling blocks. Or at the very least, seeking help from you when we get ourselves into a mess again. This year, help us be more clear-minded and sure-footed as we face all that's ahead of us. Lead us on straight paths. Help us make good choices so that we are not merely hearers of the word that leads to life, but followers of his way. For we ask all these things in his name. Amen. Our hymn is number 485, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind. <clears throat>
Our second reading this morning is uh, from George Mackay Brown, an Arcadian author and poet who's recognised as one of Scotland's finest writers from last century. Mackay Brown tells uh, stories that give a, a wonderful flavour of life on Orkney back in the middle of last century, but he also weaves myth and legend and faith into the telling of these stories so that somehow all these small, unremarkable tales always touch on deep and eternal themes. And th- this morning I'm going to read you one of my favourites, and it's just called The Box of Fish. And I should say that one of the characters in it has got a nickname, he's just known as The Parton. I don't know if the Arcadians know that that means anything in particular, but you can maybe enlighten us later, Eric. The Parton. So this is The Box of Fish. It's about a five-minute story. They'd had a good catch of haddocks in the afternoon. Now it was evening. In the tarred shed above the shore, the four fishermen were sitting around the cold, boogie stove. The oldest one kneaded the blue back of his hand with urgent knuckles. They had not gone home after mooring the sea quest and landing the boxes of fish. Instead, they had sent the boy up to the hotel for a bottle of rum on tick. They could see the whirls of snow through the window of the shed. We just got in in time, said Alex. He dropped a lighted match upon the driftwood and coal and paraffin in the boogie. It roared into flame at once. We'll just have one dram, said the parton. Then home for tea, the wife will be wondering. The boy came in out of the darkness, empty-handed. Mr. Blanding said, no cash, no rum, said the boy. Tell them that, said Mr. Blanding. There's more than ten pounds against the parton on the slate, he said. They spent more than five minutes discussing the hotelier's character in the blackest of terms. You see them boxes of fish, said Tim Smith to the boy. Tell him a box of haddocks for a half bottle of rum. The boy took the box of fish in both hands and staggered out with it into the darkness. A quarter of an hour later, he was back with a half bottle of rum. There's cups in the cupboard, said a man with a black beard, Dave the skipper. The boy brought over the cups, darkly stained with ancient tea, and gave one each to the four fishermen around the boogie stove. What did you see in the village, said the parton to the boy. Did you see Mary Ann looking for me? No, I didn't, said the boy. Dave the skipper gravely dropped four musical measures of rum into the cups, one after the other. Rich Caribbean fragrances mingled with the smells of salt and tar. I saw two strangers, said the boy. They were looking for a place for the night. They didn't look to me as if they could afford the hotel. Alex smacked his lips. Ah, there's worse things, he said, than a drop of rum on a winter's night. Tim set down his empty cup on the floor. Go and tell Mary Ann, said the parton to the boy. I'll, I'll be home in ten minutes. Tell her we had a good catch. 
The boy went out into the night. It had stopped snowing. The sky had cleared. In at the open door, the stars throbbed cold and brilliant. The boy was back in five minutes. Mary Ann had told him to inform James, the parton, that she didn't care when he came home, if ever. His tea was spoiled anyway. She would rather have the house to herself than a poor thing of a drunk man snoring in the armchair beside the fire. She was in no hurry to see him. She had this Yule cake to bake anyway. He would just be in the way. The empty half bottle lay on the floor. The skipper laughed. Well, he said, there's no hurry in that case. We deserve a drink. We've had a cold, hard day of it. Three heads nodded around the ruddy stove. The boy said he'd glimpsed the two strangers between the store and the kirk. They still didn't seem to have found a place. Boy, said the skipper, you see that box of fish against the wall? Take it up to the hotel. Mr. Blanding will give you a half bottle of rum for it. Hurry now. The top half of the bogey was red hot. At the dark window, snowflakes whirled and drifted. A horde of grey moths. Alex licked the last drop of rum from his moustache. At the end of half an hour, the boy had still not returned. What can be keeping him, said the parton. Maybe Blanding wouldn't deal with him, said Tim. Maybe Blanding thinks he's got enough fish for the night. We waited another ten minutes. Nobody spoke. What I'm feared of, said Dave, is that he might have gone over the pier in the blizzard. They waited till the thick falling snow had dwindled to a few grey loiterers under the star-flung sky. Then they put on their bonnets and oilskins and blew out the lamp. It was all right, there were still five boxes of fish at the wall. They went, one after the other, up the stone steps to the village street. At the hotel, Mr. Blanding said no, he hadn't seen the boy since the rum-fish transaction earlier in the evening. The four fishermen went and stood at the edge of the pier, looking down. It was ebb tide. They saw no broken body on the stones, surrounded by a silver scattering of fish. They trooped to the boy's house. The mother opened the door to them. Oh, you don't need to worry, she said. Sam's done exactly what you told him to do. Old Ezra has had his fish and blind Annie and the crippled boy at the end of the village. Who else? Sam's been at a dozen poor doors this evening. The ones you told him to go to. At the end of it, he had two fish left. He told me about that young couple, the strangers that he'd seen. He's out now looking for them. Oh, oh, that's all right, said the skipper. We were just wondering. Sam's mother invited them in for a drop of something, seeing as it was Yule time. But they said they'd better be getting home. There was another blizzard building up in the north.
Let's pray together. And a little child shall lead them. Lord, we bless you for everyone who looks beyond the wants and desires of the inner circle to see the needs of others and go looking for them. We bless you for everyone who, though small and powerless, finds it within themselves to stand up to the powerful for the sake of justice or goodness or compassion. We bless you for how the unselfconscious generosity of those with little to share puts to shame those who have plenty and yet think only of themselves. We bless you that yours is an upside down kingdom where the last are first, the weak made strong, the lowly lifted up, and those thought to be of no account are found to be wise. In your name in this year to come, may we learn again to approach life with the curiosity, kindness, simplicity, enthusiasm and keen sense of justice of the child. Because we ask it all in the name of the child of Bethlehem, Jesus the Christ. Our hymn is number 342, says Jesus come and gather round.
final reading this morning is a poem by Rudyard Kipling, and it's called Eddie's Service. It's set in 7th century Sussex, and Eddie was a, a true figure. Now, whether this story is true or not remains to be seen, but he was certainly a, a, an historical figure. So this is Eddie's Service. Eddie, priest of St. Wilfred, in his chapel at Manhood End, ordered a midnight service for such as cared to attend. But the Saxons were all making merry, and the night was stormy as well. Nobody came to service, though Eddie rang the bell. Wicked weather for walking, said Eddie of manhood end, but I must go on with the service for such as care to attend. The altar lamps were lighted. An old marsh donkey came, bold as a guest invited, and stared at the guttering flame. The storm beat on at the windows, the water splashed on the floor, and a wet, yoke-weary bullock pushed in through the open door. How do I know what is greatest? How do I know what is least? That is my father's business, said Eddie, Wilfred's priest. But three are gathered together. Listen to me and attend. I bring good news, my brethren, said Eddie of manhood's end. And he told the ox of a manger and a stall in Bethlehem. And he spoke to the ass of a rider that rode to Jerusalem. They steamed and dripped in the chancel. They listened and never stirred. While just as though they were bishops, Eddie preached them the word. Till the gale blew off on the marshes and the windows showed the day. And the ox and the ass together wheeled and clattered away. And when the Saxons mocked him, said Eddie of manhood end, I dare not shut his chapel on such as care to attend.
Let us pray. Father, as we enter this new year, we remember that what counts is not good intention, but good practice. And that you judge us not on the basis of our profession, but on how we actually live. As one of your ancient saints said, a humble peasant who serves God is better than a proud philosopher who ponders the course of the sky, but neglects himself. So help us in the year ahead to be like this humble ox and the curious donkey in the poem and simply attend. Attend church as and when we can, yes. But more than that, simply attend to you. As we make the slow, quiet, daily journey into our own hearts and the expectation that you in your grace will meet us there and bring us all that we need for the living of our lives. And having been with you in the cloistered spaces of our own hearts, take us out again into the world to the usual places and people that we know with fresh eyes, having seen you and them and ourselves refracted through the lens of your eternal abiding love. With that eye, Lord, we take a moment to lift before you the folk that we carry here with us this morning in our hearts. The sick, the bereaved, the lonely, and those who care for them. Bless them with all the resources they need to find and to cherish life even in the midst of ongoing struggles. And we pray too for our wider world in all its beauty and brokenness. And we thank you that your love won't rest until through the pains of labour it comes into all the fullness that your Son won for it through his perfect life, atoning death, glorious resurrection and glorifying ascension. So hear our prayers this morning because we ask them all in his name. And in his name we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us Thine is the kingdom, the power and glory forever. Amen. The final hymn this morning is number 153. Great is thy faithfulness.
confidently into this new year knowing that the Lord of all goes with you and the blessing of God Almighty the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore before we finish um, just to say a, a few words of uh, thanks I know many of you know that we've uh, we've been a COVID-y, a COVID-y house over the festive season uh, we've uh, all had it Mary has ventured into the lion's den having been 
um, back from St Andrews, which he's keeping okay so far. Uh, Ross, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it home, although we hope we'll maybe see him this week if he's able to come up the road. Um, but we've been very um, touched by your kindness to us as the man's family uh, during our, I was going to say incarceration, but that's probably the wrong word, uh, or isolation, which has felt at times like incarceration, um, with just wee messages and encouragements and people bringing things to the door. Um, it's been greatly appreciated, and we just want to say a word of thanks uh, to you for that. But it made me think that actually after the year that we've had, there's a lot more people we should be uh, thanking. So I took some time to, to note down just a few groups who this year in particular I think deserve um, our thanks as a congregation. I want to say a thank you to Alan for being a fantastically uh, supportive session clerk um, over the last couple of years of the pandemic, but uh, ever since he took over, Alan's been, been superb uh, in seeing things that I miss and picking up things that I drop, and uh, he's been a great right-hand man. Uh, I want to say thank you to the COVID team, that's Alan, uh, Eric, Rona, and Laura, and myself, for all the hard work that has gone into managing an institution through the pandemic. You have no idea how many hoops have to be jumped through just to get things moving again, and we've worked very hard to do that on your behalf. Uh, the development team, who somehow have managed to bring the uh, annex um, to 99.9% near completion uh, during a pandemic, which has been no mean feat, and that's Ian, uh, Laura, Francois, Alan, and myself have been involved in that work. I want to say thank you to Carol uh, for continuing to pick up the bookings in the hall now that we've been able to, to get back in and get opened, although there's a hiatus now because of the, uh, the new wave of the pandemic. Thank you to those involved with Sundays. I think again of Alan, uh, of Sheila, who puts together the, um, the PowerPoint, folks involved in readings and prayers and welcome duty, uh, the team of uh, volunteers who clean the church and the hall and who staff the sound desk. I'm going to look back up here, I should have said a thanks to Alec Cooper. Alec's been doing a lot of work in the annex, a lot of the little finishing off jobs that needed done, and I think it's good because it keeps him out of mischief in retirement, doesn't it, Alec? That's right. Gets you out from under Jenny's feet. Um, finance and property have kept things going over the last year at a lower level, but things always need done and they've kept going. The welcome team, it's been stop and start for them, and they too have had to deal with all the COVID legislation about what they can and can't do, and it's a shame we've had to halt hospitality for a wee while, but we'll get that going soon. Thanks to the elders for the ways that they've reached out to their districts and offered pastoral care in different ways, and to everybody else within the congregation who's extended pastoral care to others uh, during this time, whether it's a phone call or an email or a text or a visit. Um, I know those things have been greatly appreciated particularly going the extra mile at a time when we all feel uh, vulnerable. Thanks to Gordon for continuing to produce the church magazine and to those who've contributed to it over the last wee while. I want to say a particular thanks and well done to Kirk Club and to the folk at Mainly Music for managing to keep going um, over the pandemic. Um, I know again it's been stop start but your commitment to that has been exemplary. I want to say thank you uh, to our members who have either been along at church over the last uh, year, even if it's sporadically, or have been in touch with me just through a Facebook like uh, or an email or a comment on YouTube. You have no idea how much that means. It's been a discouraging year to be in ministry, I have to say, looking out at 12 at a watch night and 17 with the Sunday after Christmas 
does not fill my heart with joy. So the wee, the wee feedback that I get from people week in and week out that says we're still connected, we still care, we're still listening, it makes a difference. So I want to say a thank you to everybody who's taken the time uh, to do that. And lastly, by no means least, uh, a thanks to Pat uh, for decorating the church so beautifully for us at Christmas time. I hope you've had a chance to have a wee look at the displays uh, down the windows and out in the hall. If you haven't, this is your last chance because it's ah coming down this week because Christmas is over. Um, and on that topic, uh, the plan, I think, is to do some work on Wednesday. It, we need some strong gentlemen, or strong ladies for that matter. Uh, Pat can do most of the work that the business of taking down the Christmas tree is quite difficult. So I'm suggesting maybe 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, do we have a, a few strong gentlemen who'll come and give us an hour to help us get the Christmas tree down and packed away? David, you're nodding, would you be free? Anyone else able to help with that on Wednesday evening? Alec, David, Alan, brilliant, you're a star. That's, thank you so much for that. So seven o'clock, Wednesday evening, I think with many hands, it'll be fairly light work um, and we'll get the Christmas tree down and packed away. And, and the banners uh, are to be done as well because Christmas is nearly over, which is a shame. So folks, that's all I wanted to say, but a big thank you to, to all of those folk for the way that they've kept the wheels of your church turning um, over the last uh, year. Um, and it just remains for me to wish you um, a very happy 2022 and as I'm saying to everyone hopefully a more normal 2022 uh, than we've had uh, over this past couple of years. God bless and thank you all.